This is the Shift Podcast. I'm Martin Strong in for Shane. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, over 30 million people tried to get tickets to see Taylor Swift in Toronto. How is that even possible? Canadian music expert Eric Alper helps us make sense of the T-Swift craze and celebrates the amazing career of Robbie Robertson. We have a prescribed dose of trivia ready for you. Join us for the healthcare edition of Game Showy Trivia. Are you okay with gondolas? How about cheese? All of that on the Shift Daily Podcast. This is the Shift Podcast. Robbie Robertson, dead at the age of 80. A big loss to the music world. The tributes are coming in from around the globe. Robbie Robertson, born in Toronto to a mother with Mohawk and Cayuga indigenous roots. Uh, he once said that the advice his elders gave him were, be proud you are an Indian, but be careful who you tell. Uh, he worked with Ronnie Hawkins, the great rockabilly performer. That band later worked with Bob Dylan. And because everybody just called them the band, when they stepped out on their own, they just called it the band. And to help us pay tribute to Robbie Robertson and to add a little insight, it's our friend, journalist and music expert, Eric Alper. You can find him on Twitter at that Eric Alper or online at that ericalper.com. And Eric, I'm so glad that you uh, were able to join us. I see you're all bandaged up after trying to get Taylor Swift tickets <laughs> this morning. You, you know what? It, uh, adding to all of those lovely titles that I seem to have bestowed upon myself um non-owner of taylor swift tickets might be <laughs> might be the next one over the next couple of days but i'm not alone in that according to oh just about everybody in this country yeah well maybe we can get to that because i'd yeah. love to hear your take on taylor swift tickets going on sale today for the toronto shows uh, but, uh, uh, Robbie Robertson, uh, yeah. I mean, I guess the first question I have for you is how important is Robbie Robertson, not only to Canadian music, but to rock and roll music as a whole? Yeah. You know, I, I remember, I remember when Ronnie Hawkins passed away and I posted on social media with, with thought that. Ronnie Hawkins might just be the most influential artist to ever come out of this country, because if all he ever did was discover the band that would have set him top three for sure. Robbie Robertson actually might be the most influential person to uh, to come out of, uh, out of this country when it comes to music. I mean, Neil Young, certainly no slight to Randy Bachman, Joni Mitchell and the others. Um, but you know, from a very early age, when Robbie Robertson saw his elders and the members of the indigenous community up at Six Nations, just north of uh, Toronto, when he saw music being made in front of him as a kid, um, he saw what oral traditions meant. He saw what a strong history um, his community had and the storytelling part of it. I think that set him apart from everybody else that has managed to come out of this country in terms of music, because that art and that act of collaborating um, within his community is something that he did for the rest of his life and did it probably better than anybody else. Cause the fact is that if all he ever did was the band, 
he would be legendary. If all he ever did was collaborate with Bob Dylan and say, hey, I got I got a couple of friends that are also in playing in a band. Maybe we should all collaborate together and working with Bob Dylan to go from folk music to electric rock, changing music literally overnight, headstrong, um, bullied, um, brave, all of those things where the folk community just hated the band and hated Bob Dylan for turning the amps up to 11 and plugging it in and using electricity to make things louder. If all he ever did for that, he would be legendary. But then he still had 55 years worth of music after that that was just brilliant. And I'm sure we'll get into it. But, you know, he has to be right up there with the greatest, most influential artist that has ever come out of this country. Yeah, I, I saw that documentary that Martin Scorsese made about the band. I think it was called uh, They Were Once Brothers. Mm. And Robbie Robertson was talking about the fact that the band was Bob Dylan's backing group when he went electric and when people were yelling Judas and they were booing yeah. and uh, what an experience that must have been. Just yeah. To... And Bob Dylan turned behind to Robbie Robertson and say, play it loud, <laughs> like play it even louder, you know, and it's wild because, um, you know, for years, that story of somebody in the UK at the Royal Albert Hall shouting Judas at Bob Dylan was something that everybody who was kind of a big music band knew but never got to hear until Bob Dylan released it on an official bootleg. And you can hear that, that line come across. I mean, it's terrifying. You know, you have people that adore Bob Dylan. He's changing the face of culture and poetry and, you know, lyrics and everything. And then all of a sudden you've got, you know, not only do you have a rock band, but you've got four Canadians at, at that, you know, <laughs> four of the five members of the band were Canadian telling Americans what their music was all about, mixing country and folk and roots and gospel and R&B and, and rock and roll and fed it back to them, just like the Beatles did when they grew up and started being basically just a, a really amazing R&B band and a soul band. That's all they really were in the beginning, doing covers yeah. of, of early R&B stuff. But they fed it back to America um, bigger and better than they could have ever hoped. So, you know, yeah. what, a, what a long life. You said a mouthful there because you're talking about uh, Robbie Robertson, the main songwriter of the band, and you talk about uh, storytelling, songs like The Night They Drove Old Dixie Down. Yeah. And he's from Toronto, Indigenous roots. So he's Canadian with Indigenous roots, but yet he is responsible for some of the most influential music that's often called Americana nowadays. Yeah, it, it's, and, and and it's not, it's funny because I, I, you know, it's not just the music, like the weight is great. Um, Up on Kerpel Creek is great. Um, so many saw the basement tapes that they did with Bob Dylan is amazing. Um, The Last Waltz is amazing. But when you talk about the lasting legacy of somebody like a Robbie Robertson, his songwriting and the guitar work absolutely has to be there in terms of inspiring a whole generation of musicians through and through but the fact that he was able to collaborate with so many different people um from an eric clapton to joni mitchell to van morrison and and neil diamond and then martin scorsese just you know that's another world altogether because you think that somebody that 
was so established in music would maybe have a little bit of a harder time um, developing film scoring and soundtracks to the movie world. But I think all Robbie thought of is, well, I can do the same thing in three and a half minutes. Now I can do it in 90 minutes. And when he started collaborating with Martin Scorsese after the last waltz documentary, um, you know, Mark, uh, you know, Robbie created the music for Raging Bull and The Color of Money um, and and The Departed and so many other great films. The art of collaborating, the art of taking different parts of cultures. Um, you know, now we now, you know, the slam is that he would be branded as a cultural appropriation, you know. Um, but back then, um, it, everybody's heart was in the right place. It was totally taking the best part of it and paying tribute to it and not to exploit it but turn it around and make something new while putting the spotlight on that original source that's the main difference between somebody like that like robbie and somebody who uses a very well-known beat of a drum to create a new song that maybe you shouldn't have done that in the first place you know he really truly created a new form of american and global music mm-hmm and I met him in 1987. I interviewed him because he had just released his first solo album. Oh, and, wow. And you mentioned that uh, he was a lovely guy too. Really nice, uh, yeah. beautiful, deep voice. And and you mentioned the the movie work he was doing with Martin Scorsese. And it almost seemed like he was retired after the band broke up in a way. Yeah. And then in 1987, this self-titled solo album came out. Yeah. And, uh, it just was huge on FM radio. They played yeah. crap out of it. And it had some really interesting performers, like in the zeitgeist at the moment. U2 played on it, uh, Peter Gabriel, and uh, Sammy Lannis from the Bodines. Uh, right. He was the guy, somewhere down the crazy, had that, right. crazy, that really raspy voice. And it was just such a beautiful stew of, of music. And he really came back big. Yeah, and and he got to have a makeout sessions with Maria Markeef with from Lone Justice, who <laughs> you know, I, I mean, be still my sixteen year old heart back then. But you know, and here's a guy, and and it's so funny when you look back at somebody's life like this, where you know, I I would never had thought about something like this. I didn't grow up with the band. I was six when they split up in 1976. And my sister was a little bit older, but she never had the band's records by then. She was already on to the really heavily commercial music like the Osmonds and the Bee Gees. And that stuff was really cool. But in the 80s, when I'm watching much music, oh, like 24 hours a day, sandwiched between a flock of seagulls and Duran Duran is somewhere down the crazy river. And this guy who seemingly looked older was the coolest person on the planet. Just, you know, he's got the spoken word vibe in the middle of the song. And like you said, you know, he's collaborating with all these people. Um, and then, you know, and then a couple you know, long, long years later, back in 2011, he collaborated on his second album with Clapton and Steve Winwood and Rage Against the Machine, Tom Morello and Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails. These are his people. Like that would be the greatest dinner party to even step foot in. But I'm so glad that you got some time with him. 
Yeah, he it was a I, I still have my LP version of music from Big Pink that he autographed for me. Oh, that's nice. It's a prize position. From, from what I'm gathering too, he was never really one to shout from the rooftops about what he was doing. Partly I, I think because everybody kind of did that for him. Um, but he was very he was very low-key, low level about about his success. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well, it, it's a big loss, and uh, we will definitely miss Robbie Robertson. And and I think while I have you here, uh, yeah. we, we should say a few quick words about Rodriguez. Uh, he was the sort of folk rock singer who was uh, the subject of the documentary Searching for Sugarman or Sugar Man. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. And it, 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 I guess the story is he, he was uh, all but washed up. He put out a few albums in the seventies, all but washed up. And then, and then they realized that he's huge in South Africa. He's as big as the Beatles and Fleetwood Mac and they make a documentary and it kind of revives his career and he has passed away. Uh, yeah. What a great documentary for people that haven't seen it. Yeah. He was, he launched his career back in 1967. He was still a little bit struggling to find success in America and he would drop from his record label. And thanks to bootleg cassettes, um, people in South Africa and Australia would find his music and play it. But everybody thought that he died like that. He killed himself on stage in the 1970s. This was before internet rumors could take shape where broken telephone happens and around the world for decades, nobody knew that he was even alive. He was just a footnote in history until somebody was trying to track somebody down in his family to issue royalty checks in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, and it turned out that he would live fine and he was living in Detroit as a construction worker. And that led to this amazing documentary called Searching for Sugar Man that actually won the Oscar for best uh, documentary, I think. Um, but what a wonderful story and what a, um, you know, you just feel so good after watching the documentary and after knowing what had happened to him, which is essentially he was selling out mid-sized theaters respectfully putting out music, watching his re-releases still continue to blow up. Um, and unfortunately, you know, he passed away at the age of 81, but um, it, what, a, what a story that you couldn't even make up. Mm -hmm. We're talking to Eric Alper, that Eric Alper on Twitter or X or whatever you call it. Uh, <laughs> also that don't Eric... dead name, don't dead name that social media site now. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, that Eric Alper.com is the, uh, the online website. And, um, I can't let you go without asking you about Taylor Swift tickets. You mentioned that you were not successful, but uh, what a crazy day for uh, Taylor Swift fans. Everybody is just fueling it. it. It's it's I've never seen anything like this. Maybe Michael Jackson's thriller era in the eighties. And maybe before that Beatlemania. I mean, this is, it's no small feat. What she's able to do is conquer the entire planet in a world where everything is so divided. Everything is so dispersed. We're all watching 9,000 different television channels and movies channels. There's 75 million songs available up on streaming services. And yet she's managed to do just the absolute unthinkable make music fun again and make mothers and fathers very, very scared that they're going to tell their children that they can't get tickets to a concert. Um, but so far, you know, the first couple the first day has, uh, has come and gone for the pre-sale. There's still two more to go. 
333,000 tickets are up for grabs by the end of it all. Um, and on average, every fan is spending about $1,400 US so far on either tickets and hotel, food, gas, money, um, hotels, all of that stuff, and merchandise. Um, so the city of Toronto is looking at anywhere between a $650 million and $670 million influx just for those six days. So no wonder, no wonder Trudeau was tweeting to her. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, literally brings in... Have you seen anything like this? I mean, look, I'm 29. You're 31. So, <laughs> you know, I, I, I mean, I can't recall... Yeah, I remember... This kind of... I remember when uh, the Jackson 5 came back together it was at the height of michael jackson's success oh yeah for the victory tour yeah the victory tour 1984 yeah. and i yeah. remember that was a very hot ticket and uh, i remember the who uh, a couple of years earlier they had a lottery in the newspaper but it was nothing like this yeah yeah or the grateful dead where you had to do mail order um with your three dollars and 45 cents um in order to get tickets um springsteen obviously the born in the usa tour um you too for the Joshua Tree tour, but this is this is this is astonishing. Like this is 70, 80, 90,000 seat arenas around the world, and in some cases in Latin America, Mexico, and the UK, I'm um, topping over 120,000 people that she's gonna play. It's gonna be music's first billion dollar tour, and she's just gonna shatter that mark about this time next year. I mean, we're talking about an event that happens 18 months from now. Like, like forget about all the money. When have you ever thought of doing anything 18 months in advance when it came to a concert? All those concerts that we mentioned were maybe four or five or six months ahead of time. The music industry didn't even realize that anybody would be successful yeah. a year from now. Forget about 18 months, you know? Yeah. It's like the doctor. When you go to the doctor and they say, what are you doing on July 31st? 2025 it's like i don't know just trying to survive now it's like what are you doing in november all right okay i guess on that friday night i'm seeing taylor swift yeah we'll take your money now and we'll, we'll earn, take your money now and we'll earn and lots how much of interest, are interest rates <laughs> wow it's it's really really incredible and this whole uh the issue of graduated pricing it was a, kind of a big thing maybe six months ago i know bruce yeah. springsteen got into trouble because people were spending five thousand dollars and it was because the prices if they got really if, if people were after these tickets, yeah. then the prices would go up. Is this happening still? And is this the case with Taylor Swift? Yeah, absolutely. Um, once that, once that presale is over and is open to the general public, I don't think people are going to realize just how much these tickets are going to be. In fact, on StubHub and a number of third-party sites that I went to today just to check out, um, they're asking for $13,000 for a pair of tickets in the 500 section. Now, the 500 section, for people that don't know or have never been to the Rogers Center, it's I, it, I'm not good with estimates. It's pretty much about halfway to, to Mars. Um, <laughs> so it's very, very high up. But the... The um the, the the fluctuated prices, as you say, it's exactly that. It's uh, the artist, Ticketmaster, and Live Nation are all have all worked out deals based on however many people are clamoring for that same seat. The price will go up and down based on the market value and the base uh, on on uh, uh, on supply and demand. We've seen it on airlines. Try book a flight 
three days out or that day, you're going to be paying twice as much as if you booked six months ago. Um, we see at the grocery store where supply and demand absolutely happens, especially now. Um, and it was only a matter of time before the artists told um, Live Nation and other concert promoters, how come these scalpers who do absolutely nothing to help my career are making $15,000 off of my hard work? And so they've kind of come up with systems on how to limit the, hopefully the amount of ticket that actually go into scalpers' hands. And it seems to be working. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a different world from the old days. It used to be easy to get comp tickets if you were in the radio business or in, in yeah. your business, but not anymore. And, uh, it used to be easy to see a concert for less than $5. Yeah. <laughs> well, now, you, you know, remember in 1972, Led Zeppelin fans were very, very angry and they wrote letters to Rolling Stone because they couldn't believe that ticket prices were $3.25 for the Detroit show. Wow. <laughs> times are changed. The times I love are the changing. times they are changing. That that would make a really great song, man. <laughs> you should write that down. Yeah, you should write that down. Somebody go call Bob Dylan. Well, Eric Alper, always a pleasure to talk to you. And uh, as I say, people can find you on Twitter or X at that Eric Alper or online at thatericalper.com. Thanks so much for taking the time tonight. Uh, thanks for hanging out, Martin. I appreciate it. This is The Shift Podcast. It's Canada's favorite game show. And now here's your host, Ryan O'Donnell. Ah, thank you, Bob. Welcome <laughs> to Game Showing. This is a very special edition of Game Showing because it's not every day that we get to have Martin Strong and Kelsey Campbell play each other in a round of Canada's favorite radio game show. Kelsey, how you feeling heading into this head-to-head -head showdown? I honestly, I don't know how to approach this with Martin because he's just... <laughs> so darn nice and i want to come out vicious and then i question myself yeah i feel great i'm just so glad to be in your presence martin oh well, great, just great to be here with you i feel the same way kelsey and uh you had mentioned before that uh i i was too nice in the last the last game we played and it threw you off and i just wanted to tell you it's all part of my evil plan i was gonna say it's got to be planned and uh, we'll see if it works. Okay. Because this is going to be a, an interesting edition. We all need 10 cc's of trivia stat. It's the healthcare themed edition of Game Showy. Okay. Trust, nice. I think this is going to be pretty fun. I've got some pretty surprising questions. You're going to learn some shocking things about our healthcare industry and uh, probably some things that you know based off of the response we got on the shift last night talking about uh, hip replacements and waiting for surgery. Yeah. So. Here's how this all works if you're new here. Our contestants are going to pick a question and a difficulty of said question. Now, today we're playing for cough drops because they make you feel better when you're sick and they got a nice ring to them, okay? So one cough drop is an easy question. Three is hard. Now, if you get the question right, you'll hear this. Nobody can find a doctor, so there you go. Scream it out. We'll right. find a doctor for you. If it's wrong, you'll hear this. We're losing him. We're losing him. He's dying. <laughs> don't die on me. Don't die on me and don't die on Michael Keaton there from the other guys. And we have three categories to choose from in this edition of Game Showy. We have surgeries, healthcare, and remedies. 
specifically old school remedies, the kind of ones that you read about that you're like, wait, people used to do that. Yeah. There's some weird stuff in there. Now we also have a very special question and that's called the text line special. It is a question for the shift heads and the shift heads alone. It's hidden in this show and one lucky contestant will stumble across it and could win two cough drops. Now it has a special sound and when we find it, you'll hear this. Are you feeling sick and ill today? Don't worry. (laughs) I'm still fond of you. Here is your question, Canada. What was originally invented slash marketed as a cure for diarrhea? Is it Dr. Pepper, ketchup, molasses, or Coca-Cola? Again, originally invented to cure the stomach issues. Dr. Pepper, ketchup, molasses, or Coke? The what phone a delightful number? question. I know. Now, I, I think most people know this answer because it has come up before. But the answer, sorry, the not the answer. The uh, phone number is 877-399-9898. Again, what, what was originally invented to cure all the stomach issues? Dr. Pepper, ketchup, molasses, or Coke? Text in your answers. That's the rules. Martin, I send it back to you. Let's do this. Let's get the game show on. Hear the music. Okay, so I have to pick from those one of those four. Yeah, I think, Kelsey, it's safe to assume that we let Martin go first because he's a guest. Okay. I and... wouldn't say that's safe to assume that at all. I'd like to know <laughs> how you came to that decision. <laughs> because I'm the nice guy. Uh, he's a nice guy. Yeah. I think you're uh, kind of showing your little ugly underbelly there. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I am confused by all the rules. So I'm going to say... Okay. Dr. Pepper. No. That's your guess? <laughs> I don't know. guess? See, I told you I was confused. Well, okay. that's not your question. That's for the listeners oh, okay. and the listeners alone. You don't get to answer that question. Okay, I don't so, care if you oh, know I what have the to pick is. the I have to pick the category. I get it. Yeah, you got to pick a category and tell me the difficulty of the question that you want. Okay, so see, one, two, or three. My yeah. confidence yeah. has been shattered. Shattered. So I'm going to say... You don't want the diagnosis. It's not looking good. I'm going to say two. <laughs> two cough drops. Two cough drops in which category? Oh, and where are the categories again? <laughs> They're in the I, <laughs> healthcare remedies and surgery. Okay, okay, remedies. Yeah, I'm going with remedies. Okay, uh, no, can't give can't give you that one yet. But no, can't mm. give you that one yet. Pick a different one. Okay, um, uh, I'll say <laughs> surgery. Why not? Why surgery. not? I, I have no idea. That what... question may or may not be the text line special, and I need oh. to give people more time to text in their answers. What I meant to say was I surgery. Surgery. Yeah. <laughs> Surgeries for two. We did it. Surgery Surgeries for two. For two. We're going to need surgery. Everyone's going to need yeah, brain okay. surgery after this A one. Lobotomy. Okay. What is, <laughs> Martin, what is the most common inpatient surgery in Canada? The kind of surgery where you have to stay overnight, right. okay? Appendectomy. A C-section, a hip replacement, or a pacemaker? I'm going to go with hip replacement. Hip replacement is incorrect. It is not hip replacement. What what is it? Oh, I guess you can't say. I get to steal. Oh, I can't say yet because now Kelsey has five seconds to steal the answer from you, Martin. I know this one, and it is C-section. Yes, it is C-section. Oh, I was going to say (laughs) C-section. 
uh, yeah, the most common reason for hospitalization in Canada is giving birth, which I never would have actually guessed that. I would assume, but if you think about it, a baby's born, what they say, every minute, every second. So, yeah, there yeah. you go. That's the most common reason somebody would have to go to the hospital right. in Canada. And a sucker is born every second as well, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, I, like did, I did want to say I, I happened to be in a hospital earlier this week, and... It was really, oh. really beautiful. A baby was born. There's all these like terrible codes and alarms going off at all times in a hospital. But a baby was born and it sounds like the sound of angel dust throughout the hospital when a baby's born. And I thought that was a really nice touch. I hadn't Aww. heard that before. It was really That's cool so over all the speakers. So you knew a baby was born. That's beautiful. Aww. That's adorable. I love, I love that. that. I could definitely use that if I'm ever stuck in there. Uh, very nice. Nice, Kelsey. Okay. So now, now Kelsey seems like the nice one now. I just seem like the dumb also, one. No, no. <laughs> okay. We got time. There's plenty of time, and there's some big questions still up for grabs. Unfortunately, Martin, it, for you at least, it is Kelsey's turn. Yes. And she could jump to a lead here. Kelsey, you're up. And I, I do come in hot, and I'm not going to change that approach. I'm not going to yeah. hurl insults your way, but I am yeah. still going to get, oh, after three cough drops, because I want to get this cold handled ASAP. Let's go healthcare. Three cough drops, please. Okay. Canada spends more than $300 billion annually on our healthcare system. That's about 13% of our GDP and one of the highest spenders in the world. But what part of our healthcare system contributes the most to that final cost? Is it the drugs, hospitals, paying doctors, or medical research? What do you mean by contribute? Like that so, like sucks the most amount of that money? Yeah, what sucks the most amount of money up? And that $300 billion we spend, which of those things is getting the most amount of money? The, okay, well, it won't be the... I understand drugs are expensive, absolutely. But I'm thinking when you say generally... Yeah, doctor's salaries are nuts. Um, that's why there's typically only one emergency doctor on because you can't afford more than one overnight. Um, when you're saying hospitals, I'm assuming like upgrades to infrastructure and like the technology in running, those hospitals. Like it'd be everything. All of the above. Running the hospital, pain. Yes, everything. Then, yeah, I'd say probably keeping upkeeping the infrastructure and all the new technology it needs. Yeah. Hospitals in general, Bob. Hospital in general. Thanks, Bob. That is correct. Yes, that's the big spender. More than half of our healthcare spending goes to three areas hospitals, drugs, and doctors. Hospitals are 25%, drugs at 14, and physicians just behind at 13. And for, for context of how expensive it is to run a hospital, one MRI machine, one costs $3 million, which is insane. Insane. Yeah, I, I remember we used to do these fundraisers for the children's hospital, the BC Children's Hospital, and the kind of equipment they have to buy, like like the masks, the, the oxygen masks, they need to make those for babies. You know, always think, oh, I just get an oxygen mask, but you need a little tiny one for a baby. Spite, yeah. And just the cost of these really specific little things is insane. It adds up. Yeah, it, it really is. As is Kelsey's cough drop total, which is up to five. This cough is at bay. Uh -oh. Martin, I've still never felt so healthy in my life. I'm not feeling yeah. very well. <laughs> there's some, still some big questions up on the board, so you're not. You can still bring it back a little bit here. Where are we okay. going? Oh, I got to pick one. Uh, let's yeah, see. Yeah, you get uh, to go now. <laughs> I'm going to go with. Uh, I'll go. I got to go for three, and I'll go with remedies. Yeah. 
Remedies for three cough drops. Okay, Martin, which of these old remedies are actually still used in hospitals and medical treatments to this day? Leeches. No, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> Leeches is one of the oh, options. Really? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Buttermilk, milk of magnesia, like the flour, or all of the above? I'm going to go with all of the above. In hospitals still today? Leeches still today. Okay, maybe not. That Never is... mind. Oh. You don't get to undo your answer. I'm gonna go. I'm. I'm gonna. I'm you gonna already locked yes. it in. I'm locked in it. Locking it. All of the above is the correct answer. Yeah. Yes. Leeches. Okay, he can change his answer. You can undo it. No, I think that's fair. I had a moment of indecision. <laughs> I don't think yeah, I officially moment. changed it, okay. but I kind of, you know, you had a, a my confidence was shattered. But now yes. my confidence is back because I'm yeah. I'm in the game again. Yeah, let me let me tell you about leeches though. Now, buttermilk is used for like treating age spots and stuff like that. Milk of magnesia you can use for canker sores, and which I have done before because my I get so many of them. But leeches in particular, draining blood, right? But they can be used in skin grafts after the loss of fingers and ears being reattached because they produce a protein that stops blood clotting, and that gives the tiny veins. To uh, time to knit themselves back together. And so there are special leeches that are bred and sent to hospitals still to this day. Every hospital in Canada has a tank of leeches on standby. Wow. Every hospital in crazy? Canada has leeches. Yeah. This okay, like the that, was, of a horror <laughs> that was. That was. <laughs> I didn't. Uh, okay, yeah, I'm not even going <laughs> to fight you on that one. <laughs> Yeah. Watch out, guys. You don't want to knock over that jar on your way to <laughs> the front desk. <laughs> and it's to clean your blood? Literally, that's... Yeah, they, yeah. yeah. Well, they used in medieval times, they used to do it because if you get sick, the idea was drain all your blood and then you'd get new blood and you'd be healthy, which bloodletting, which is not... That doesn't work. Uh, but leeches themselves can be very helpful for healing... Uh, when per, don't grab a leech out of a lake and put it on your skin, by the way, go to the doctor. They have special ones that will not get you sick. Don't, um, don't, okay. don't do that. I would like people yeah. to text in right now if they have gone in for some sort of a, an ailment and a doctor has been like, okay, hold still. I'm just going to put 36 leeches on your body and we'll be, <laughs> you'll be good my, as new. Yeah. Yeah. My, my partner, Laura's friend is a nurse in the burn unit and she handles the leeches all the time. Mm -hmm. at Foothills Medical Center in Hot Calgary all the time. My wife's wow. extended health care covers leeching. So <laughs> it's a good thing. <laughs> I, I, I'm going, I intend at some point when I am hungover, I'm going into a hospital. I'm going to say, leech me up. I need some fresh <laughs> blood up in here to get me going. No reset. oxygen, just some leeches. Yeah, leech me up. We'll have a leech party. Leech me up inside. Oh, okay. Uh, um, where are we yeah. at here? Uh, Kelsey, it's your turn. So Martin is at three and you are at five cough drops. So Martin's right at what behind. point do I show kindness? Do I, is this the time? Hey, do I, don't, don't that's up to you. be kind I, to I'm me. not prescribing kindness to them. I'm, 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 I'm in it now. Thank you, doctor. All right. He's in yeah. it. All right. Well, then I'm going to remain fierce. Okay. Uh, surgery, three cough drops. Three cough drops. Big one. Okay. Thank goodness for insurance. What is the most expensive surgery in Canada? So let's pretend you have zero coverage whatsoever. What would be the most expensive? Is it hip replacements, heart surgery, spinal surgery, or LASIK? 
meaning I stuff. LASIK. Um, I feel, that's not my answer. I was just saying the word back to you. <laughs> okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> sure. I, I feel like this one is really obvious, but I'm wondering if it's too obvious. I feel like the, probably the most it's a crazy thing, just as an aside, that we just take for granted our healthcare. You go in for a surgery, yes. you have a heart, you don't question the charge, whereas Americans have to literally think about, do I bother going to the hospital because I don't have the mm-hmm. cash to fill up my gas tank today, but I'm going to drop, what, $100,000 on this surgery that's going to be life-saving? Um, I, I, I would have to think that the heart is probably the most complicated thing to do surgery on, and I think would probably require one of the biggest teams in the room. So... That seems the most obvious to me. I'm going with heart surgery as the most expensive surgery in Canada. Big time. That is correct. Yes. It's a lot of money. Yeah, it seems a like... A heart replacement, or a heart... Sorry, not a full heart replacement, but a heart valve replacement alone can cost over $170,000 without insurance. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine? So be grateful. Yeah, we have. I think uh, we are covered. I'm I'm grateful for my grandma who just had a hip replacement, and uh, we were staring down the barrel of private of a private clinic, and it was going to cost twenty five thousand dollars, which is all of her savings, everything gone. But we got lucky, and she got a a space and was able to do it uh, publicly, and takes an immense amount of weight off the shoulders. Yeah. Well, I hope she's doing well. Okay, Martin. Okay, I got to pick one. Well, so she's I, definitely you. doing she's better doing well. than you in this game. Oh, ouch. Oh, let me let me take the barb out of my back. Um, I guess I got to go for two, and the only two uh, is healthcare. So, oh, and and remedies is open. Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay, I'll take uh, remedies for two. Would you look at that? <laughs> Who would have oh, guessed? yeah, that's right. You stumbled on the text line special. Okay. Wow. If you were feeling very sick and ill with stomach-related issues, there was something that was prescribed to you uh, in uh, the 1800s. And so the question is, what was originally invented or marketed as a cure to diarrhea, indigestion, all that fun stuff? The options were Dr. Pepper, ketchup, molasses, and Coke. And on the text line, there were two answers given split down the middle jasper i see your text it's got to be dr pepper ron dr pepper i mean doctors in the name but then we also have denise ketchup and we have a couple of other texts from ontario ketchup 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 shift heads it should have been so obvious i'm in control of the game showy questions and i have an opportunity to put ketchup as an answer, of course it's going to be ketchup. That is the correct answer. And the overall consensus on the text line was ketchup. Yes. So correct. Martin, you get two cough drops. Thank you, shift heads. Of the text line. In the 1830s, ketchup was sold as a medicine claiming to cure all those ailments. And it originally was actually sold as tomato pills. Ketchup <laughs> tomato pills. Wow. That's great because I would have said Dr. Pepper. Yes, Dr. Pepper, to In be fair, 1800s. was also marketed as that, but ketchup was the well, was directly done for that. Wasn't Dr. Well, Coke was in the late 1800s, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dr. Pepper was first. Dr. Pepper was the oldest pop in the world. Ah, there you yeah. go. Yeah. Coke will Which just erode your organ organs so that you can't have 
Yeah, don't worry, you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, <laughs> who needs healthcare when you can just drink a bottle of Coke? <laughs> I love Coke though. Uh, we are pretty much out of time. Yeah, so so, so uh, I I still lost or who won? Yeah, let's let's say let's we both showed up. It's a, hey, it's a public system, and uh, we're uh, we're all winners because we're Canadian. <laughs> we that's all get the, a ribbon. That's the thing. Yeah. I oh, think great. That's, uh, that's fair. Oh, yeah. well, good to know. Good to know. Well, congratulations and uh, and thanks to our quiz master Ryan O'Donnell, and uh, and great to see you, Kelsey, Kelsey Campbell, executive producer of this show. This is the Shift Podcast. Are you? Are you? Are you? Okay. 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 Are you okay with? Ryan, I'll start with, are you okay with gondolas? I, uh, I love gondolas. I absolutely love them. I've never been skiing before in my life, but I would just hop on the ski lift so I could ride up on the big crane and then come back down again. And then there's the amazing... Uh, gondola and Banff, which, you know, takes you up Sulphur Mountain. You can, you know, you know, you can see getting to the mountain is awesome, but I love the slow climb up as you start to go as high as the mountains are. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's an amazing thing. I love gondolas. Yeah. Gondolas are really cool. Uh, Grouse Mountain in Vancouver, uh, the, you can go up the grouse grind. It's this thing that you walk up. It's a really tough hike. Takes, uh, at least an hour, I think. And it's really steep and it's a really tough climb. And then when you get to the top, you can either go back down again, or you can get on the gondola and come down the classy way, the comfortable way. And I've, I've never gone down again. I've only gone on the gondola. So I, I just love the gondola because um, they're a great way to get from point A to point B fast. Uh, but what happens when the gondola loses power and people are trapped at the top of the mountain? That horror story just happened in Banff. Lightning and thunder and you can see the rain outside and the window shaking a bit. Then tourists atop Sulphur Mountain noticed the Banff gondola grind to a halt. The storm briefly took out power across the mountain town on Monday night. But as homes and businesses flickered back to life, the gondola remained dark. You know, it gave us hope when we saw the gondolas moving again, but it turned out that they were mainly trying to get the poor people who were on them off. When the power came back on, our gondola would fail to turn on. And so the teams quickly moved into our emergency procedures. They tried to get the gondola started. Once we understood that that was unable to happen, we used our backup system to get people who are on the gondola off as quickly as possible. And that happened within about an hour of it shutting down. Roughly 400 people found themselves settling in for a long night, cobbling together makeshift beds in restaurants, hallways, and exhibits in the gondola's visitor center. People just ended up making campsites and <laughs> staying overnight in the building. So um, it was kind of it, it was kind of fun, I think, at some points in time for, for some of the kids. It was like staying in a camp, um, but it was also very tiring. I think a lot of the adults were, were very tired. You know, some had medical issues. First responders were able to provide medication to those who needed it, also handing out blankets. 
several hundred guests had to be helped down from the summit uh, after that gondola was shot down or shut down. <laughs> apart. <Shots. laughs> it, it got <laughs> to the point where they, story. they had to shoot it down. It was, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, Parks Canada said its uh, visitor safety team was involved and all guests were brought down Tuesday. Some of the guests actually hiked the five and a half kilometer trail that goes down the mountain at yep. night while others had to wait until Tuesday morning to go down. Yeah. And there were would about... you do the hike or would you wait? Uh, it depends. I, I think I, I'd probably do the hike. I would just wouldn't want to wait around anymore. Yeah. See, the I can't stand sleeping in public areas. Like I need to have a little private. I wouldn't sleep at all if I was on top of the mountain. Uh, even though I kind of like that they made it as comfortable as possible. Uh, but I would, I would think I would just go down the mountain at one o'clock in the morning. Yeah. As long as there was a group of people to go down with. Yeah. yeah if there's lots of people and it'd be kind of fun actually. I think, yeah, it's a crazy story. Yeah. There are about a hundred guests, including children and seniors who opted to get a helicopter ride down. So that's kind of cool too. That is pretty cool. Yeah. Well, uh, let's move on. Are you okay? Well, actually, uh, let's get into this next story with one word and one word only. Cheese versus cheese. <laughs> and cheese always sounds funnier uh, when a British person is saying with it. With a British accent. Absolutely. I, I yeah. don't know why. And that, uh, of course, brings us to, are you okay with cheese? It's... Um, it's the best thing. I love cheese so much. I, I today or not today on Monday, I had Pizza Hut stuffed crust pizza for the first time since I was probably 10 years old. And when I took a bite out of that cheese stuffed crust, I remembered why I ordered Pizza Hut as a kid. It was just the best. Like I didn't care about the rest of it. Just a bread with cheese is all I need to be happy, which is incredible to think of like that's just it just makes everything i eat better and i yeah. would totally be that guy who travels to europe and then everybody stares at you because you put cheese on everything like they'd just be like oh american yeah <laughs> i would be that guy i'd wear that badge yeah i i'm with you there because i'm a healthy eater i eat very healthy but when it comes to cheese all bets are off i can eat it i can yeah. eat a ton of cheese at one sitting and there's cheese that's good for you in you know moderation and there's you know the fine aged cheese and i love like a nice aged cheddar but i also love the plasticky mozzarella that gets stuffed inside of a pizza hut stuffed crust you know there is no bad cheese yeah um, maybe craft singles i will say that i i can't eat craft singles uh the same way i could as a kid yeah i, I haven't had one of those in a long time but they kind of yeah. look good on a on a burger oh, so good on a burger yeah. yeah on their own though not really a good snack somebody no. just wrote uh i love cheese especially extra aged white um oh that's the best yeah. yeah so a little cheese never hurt anybody right right well wrong a 74 year old oh. producer of grana padano cheese is dead after he was crushed under the weight of his own cheese wheels in northern italy Giacomo <laughs> Schiaparini was in his warehouse near the city of Bergamo on Sunday night when a domino effect caused thousands of his cheese wheels to fall from the metal shelves where they were being stored and aged 
burying him underneath, burying him in cheese. And Grana Padano is a Parmesan-style hard cheese that is popular in Italy. And I love that kind of cheese. I love that grated yeah. Parmesan cheese. Um, and Chia Perini's warehouse contained about 25,000 cheese wheels. And these were big. They weighed about 40 kilograms, and they were stacked very high on 10-meter-tall shelves. And the firefighters said it took about 12 hours to finally dig out uh, poor old Giacomo, 74-year-old Giacomo from under the pile of cheese. And uh, they said, quote, when we got there, the whole warehouse was full of cheese wheels on top of one another, said Daniel Reto, a spokesperson at the local fire brigade department. Um, he said they had to call the unit that specializes in the search and rescue of people under rubble, especially after an earthquake. And they spent hours moving the wheels by hand one by one. And they, found, him, they found his body only in the morning. Wow. It's just... It's so wild because it makes the hazard of this makes sense because the wheels are massive yeah. and they're not light. It's not like, you know, a cushion. This yeah. would be like dropping a, a barbell on you. Right? Yeah. Like it would hurt. This is a hard but cheese. It's just, it's a hard cheese. It just doesn't seem, it just seems like a sketch out of a TV show. Uh, not a real thing. And it's, yeah. uh, I, I, I will say the next time I buy Grano Bonato, I will be like, oh, that poor guy. This is for you, Giacomo. It is. Yeah, Absolutely. make sure. But uh, one local resident uh, said that the sound of the cheese falling was like thunder. And the economic cost of the accident, according to the BBC, is estimated to be 7 million euros. Uh, wow, about $10.3 million. Yeah, because you can't sell that cheese. No. You can't sell that cheese. <laughs> this this cheese killed a guy. No, no, yeah. nobody wants to eat cheese that killed a guy. No, no. I'm no, you can't do that. Yeah. No. What a yeah, oh yeah. tragic. <laughs> it's kinda like moving into a house where there was a murder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't want to know. <laughs> this cheese is delicious. Yeah, it murdered a guy. Yeah, so so yeah, so all all the best. I mean, we laugh, but it's kind of a horrible tragedy. So uh, it is. It's one of those things where what happened is so so bizarre that you can't. You, we have to talk about it. Yeah. But it's so sad. It and, is, it is really sad. Yeah, it, and it makes yeah. me almost not want to play that cheese guy again. Can we play the cheese guy again, Jono? James, it's James May from Cheese Top Gear. versus Cheese. All right. Are you okay with CFL games? I love CFL games. Yeah. I've never seen an NFL game in person. I've watched NFL, of course, on TV. But I generally like the pace of Canadian football more than American football. I, I like the rules that the CFL has more. And I think they make more sense. Like If, if this NFL could change the rules they never will obviously it would make sense so i think the rules are that i like the bigger ball uh, i like the bigger field but it's the fans right yeah. like it's uh, it's the diehard nature that every fan base has the bizarre uh trivia facts from the fact that you know Dwayne the rock johnson played from the for the calgary stampeders and um Oh, what's his name? Uh, he was in The Mandalorian, Predator. Carl Weathers played for the BC Lions really? at one point. I did not yes. know that. John Amos, who was on uh, Good Times, 
Uh, yeah. He played for the Lions. See what I mean? There's just so many bizarre facts and so much legacy behind these teams because they've all, almost all of them have been around for, for like 50, 60 years. Like the history is amazing. Uh, but seeing it live, where the fan interaction really gets you into it, even if you're not huge on football, anytime I get a chance to take a friend to, to a CFL game in Calgary, even if they don't love the sport, I do because it's just, it's a blast. Yeah. I've never seen a, a game in Saskatchewan, but I'd like to. Which is. Yeah, where they've well, they got the nicest field. They've got them. They've got basically the equivalent of like the Green Bay Packers fans, who are yeah, absolutely like we only have this one team on the world stage, and we put everything we have into this one team. And uh, yeah, if you go, like, if you see a rough, if you see the Stampeders play the Rough Riders in Calgary, it's kind of like seeing the Toronto Maple Leafs play in any Canadian city there are almost equal if not more green jerseys because mm -hmm. of the 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 love for that team and do we know what a rough rider is is it uh no I do know though that there was a point in the CFL when both the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and the Ottawa Red Blacks were actually called the Rough Riders so there were two teams that yes. had the same name at one point that was, I mean, people used to laugh about that. I think Billy Crystal used to joke about that, that there were two teams in the same league with the same name. <laughs> it's so stupid. There's so many other names you could pick. I know. They're, like, they're stubborn. We're, we are the Rough Riders. So but, are we. We're rougher. But, <laughs> but Rough Riders, Rough Riders are great. They're rough and they, but I bet it's, I bet it's a thing that I just don't know that I'm ignorant of. It's probably a real historical thing. Like the, the Rough Riders, they came to some area or something. Yeah. 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 It's probably a good thing. It's not like murder cheese. Uh, somebody, no. somebody text in, uh, I'd eat the murder cheese. I mean, it's still <laughs> cheese. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, well, we're still talking about football because uh, there are things you see at a CFL game. You know, there's cheerleaders, there's rabid Canadian fans, and there's the food. And if you live in Saskatchewan, sheep. Uh, the sheep had been brought in the stadium for a youth rodeo as part of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders Country Night, but the animal got loose during halftime of the Rough Riders game against the Ottawa Red Blacks, and the sheep led stadium staff on a chase around the field before being contained. Here is the sound of the crowd cheering the sheep's dramatic sprint across the field. I think because it seems like something they would do on purpose, you know. They but it's not. That sheep is running for its life yeah. on that on that field. I mean, you've seen cats get on a field or a bird or a squirrel, but a sheep. Yeah. This is the kind of thing that would only happen in Saskatchewan, and I mean that with so much love. As where half my family's from, Saskatchewan. Uh, yeah, perfect. Yeah, the Rough Riders identified the sheep as a U but the animals was dubbed the rally ram by some fans online That's a good name. after the team scored a touchdown just moments after the little sheep was corralled. If they, uh, they might have to keep that, uh, this little year around though, uh, for some good luck. Yeah. Uh, I did, uh, I did look up where the name comes from, by the way, oh. there are two, there are two theories. Okay. Okay. So one states that it's derived from members of the Northwest mounted police who were called the rough riders because they broke the wild horses 
used by the force. I'm not sure what it means by they broke the horses, but maybe they used them and, and uh, uh, they died. So that's a little depressing. The yeah. other is that there was a Canadian contingent of soldiers that fought with Teddy Roosevelt in the Spanish-American War, and that Roosevelt's Canadian troops were known as the Rough Riders. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Very interesting. So I'm not sure why Ottawa was like, let's take the name. Or maybe it was just one of those cases where the owner just really likes the team name so much that they, they just take it, which is what happened with the Carolina Hurricanes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and somebody pointed out, uh, but Martin, one team was the Rough Riders and the other was the Rough Riders. There was a, a space. Huge difference. Yes, that is that is very true. There And there was a time when the Saskatchewan Rough Riders played the Ottawa Rough Riders, which was back in 1976. And uh, would you like to know, what, what team do you think won that battle? Which Rough Riders? Uh, the 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 Rough Riders with the with a uh, one continuous word. No, they lost to Ottawa. The 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 imposter Rough Riders beat them by three points, and it is one of the weirdest sports. Oh, I'm going down a rabbit hole now. This is fascinating. Oh yeah, tell yeah. me more. <laughs> okay, so uh, when the franchise was ready to when the auto so Ottawa folded, uh, in so they. Hold on, sorry. Uh, yeah, so Ottawa folded in 1996. They were still the Rough Riders. So the year I was born, they were still the Rough Riders. They came back as the Ottawa Renegades a few years later. Then they folded again. And then now they're called the Red Blacks. However, the CFL blocked them from being able to take the name Rough Blank Riders. Uh, and so, uh, yeah. And as for which team got the name first, uh, it seems like it was Ottawa. It seems that Ottawa was the first team to have the name. It was founded in 1876 and they adopted the name in 1898. Wow. Which is wild. This is how old the CFL is. They kept that name until 1925 when they changed their name to the Ottawa Senators. Wow. Interesting. Before reverting back to the Rough Riders in 1930. Wow. Interesting stuff. And also we're getting tons of texts about breaking a horse is, of course, when you break a horse, it means you tame it. Oh, that's good. Yeah, okay. I'm really course. happy. Thank you and to everybody that, uh, yeah. And you're, you you're supposed to be city, from right? Alberta. I mean, come on. Man. I know. I, I, I've, I've rode a horse once in my life. I like horses. A right. Lot. Uh, so it's good. No, the closest. No, I have zero exposure to horses. But and now I've learned things. And now you've learned the weird facts about the Canadian Football League. Yeah. There so, so there you go. Thanks for listening to the Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca. 